This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome once again to the program. Uh, glad to have you aboard today over the next couple of hours. Plenty on last night's game. We will get into the uh, London Police press conference from yesterday as well. We're right off the top. The London Police apologized to the victim and then proceeded to say that they couldn't say much because the case is now before the courts. We'll get into some of the things that we saw and heard yesterday. Coming up in a couple of moments with Elliot Friedman. Uh, Andrew Raycroft will stop by. It is the Boston Bruins facing off uh, tonight. Uh, one of eight games on the go against the Calgary Flames. Yes, your chance to watch uh, Kuzmenko play on a line with Sharon Govich and Huberto. We'll get into the Boston Bruins situation. Luke Gazdick, who's uh, killing it on TV and podcast, will stop by as well. And we'll talk about what should be the game of the night, or at least the most anticipated game this evening, and that is the Vegas Golden Knights facing off against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, what's up for grabs here? Oh, yeah, a record. Oilers have won 16 games in a row, looking to make that 17, and then face off against the Anaheim Ducks to break the record, should they be successful. Uh, Tarek Al-Bashir as well. We'll get into the Washington Capitals. Yevgeny Kuznetsov um, entering the Players' uh, Assistance Program yesterday. Uh, Michael Scarbosa called up from AHL Hershey in that one. So we'll get into Caps issues coming up and all the news of the day all in between. And we'll mention this one quickly and a couple of other things before we get to Elliot here in a couple of seconds. Surprise, surprise. Uh, we talked about this on the podcast about a month ago. Uh, I would imagine giving the, uh, given the ratings of the Seattle Vegas Winter Classic, although it was a tremendous event put on by Seattle, the, uh, the NHL has gone back to the in-case-of-emergency break-glass moment or break-glass default position, which is, as Elliot mentioned a month ago on the pod, the Blackhawks are hosting the next year's Winter Classic at Wrigley Field against the St. Louis Blues. All this and much more coming up on today's edition of TJMS. In the meantime, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada kicks off the program once again. Hello, Fridge. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I am well. Uh, I want to get it. I know we can't really have much of a discussion because the whole thing is before the court right now. But right. the London Police Services press conference yesterday, um, Chief Ty Trong and Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan um, answering questions, I suppose, a- as much as they could yesterday. There are still some you know, outstanding issues. Uh, there wasn't any clarity on why the investigation, the initial investigation from 218 to 219 uh, was shut down and then reopened in, in 2022. Um, a couple of other you know, out- outstanding issues that we wonder about as well. But w- what comes out of that press conference for you that was particularly salient or newsworthy? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, I wasn't surprised they were very light on details. I um, like this has been there's uh, I, there's we've talked about it a little bit in the sense that I think there's been a lot behind the scenes on uh, you know whether it was the NHL with its investigation or Hockey Canada with its investigation and report. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there was a real fear that if some of these got out into the public without proof of what was in them that it would expose them to liability. And so I think people have been very careful about details. And now that it's a criminal case, uh, you know, you have talked about the fear of prejudicing the criminal case. I think that's definitely yeah. what the London police were worried about yesterday. But the other thing that, that I think really stood out to a lot of people, and not just myself, was the 
overall apology that uh, London police uh, gave to the victim, and they mentioned it a couple of times. Um, and uh, that says to me that, you know, we're going to hear a lot more about eventually, whether it's at the trial or afterwards, uh, we're going to hear a lot more about how this case was handled or wasn't handled. And that's going to come down the line. You know, one of the things that, uh, just mentioning this a second ago, that uh, I think a lot of us wonder about, and, and by the way, just as an aside too, uh, the chief really went out of his way to maintain that this is one investigation and not two. Some might say it's a, you know, a semantic game that they're playing there or really splitting hairs or trying to thread a needle uh, that may or may not be there. But at the end of it, the initial investigation lasted a year and was dropped. And then the second investigation picked up in 22 amidst, you know, uh, years and years of, of public pressure and, and outcry. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there about that. You know, uh, does that you know set up another party to take the blame for the failings of the London police? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to uh, a lot of these questions here, but it does very much seem that um, er- considering everybody who was involved in the investigation initially is no excuse me, is no longer involved. And uh, and Sergeant Dan, uh, Detective Sergeant Dan mentioned that at the end of the press conference. It seems very much so that the London police know that they didn't conduct this investigation properly at the outset. Do you agree with that? Well, it sure seems that way, but I don't like to guess. Um, there's, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I think one thing we've learned about uh, this a particular case is that it's just a bad thing to guess. We should stick with what we know and what we don't know. And what we know is that they were very apologetic yesterday and there's a reason for it. And eventually somewhere down the road, we're going to find out exactly why they are apologetic. This um, this case has been adjourned till April the 30th. Uh, disclosure is being presented to defense counsel. Uh, they will review it, and then there will be a further review on the 30th uh, when this case picks up again. Okay, elsewhere in hockey today, Elliot, before we look back at yesterday and the couple of games that sort of unofficially started the second half of the season, uh, there's one game that we have to get to tonight, and that is the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, yep. You know, the the Oilers of winners of, of 16 in a row can can make it 17 and then can go for the record 18 should they, they beat the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Um, this is something that, A, Edmonton dearly wants, I would imagine, whether you're Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. And also, this is something that the Vegas Golden Knights would love to stop. Thank you very much. Most notably, William Carlson, who's back after a 12-game absence, who played on that Columbus Blue Jackets team that won 17 games in a row as well. Uh, Intriguing in this one for you, Elliot. Well, I think everything. What isn't intriguing about it? uh, I'm glad we're showing it nationally. Uh, you know, that's, I think that's, uh, yeah. these are the, these are the kind of games you, you want to sh- showcase and you want to be able to see, um, you know, it's, uh, it's Super Bowl week in Vegas. So I heard they've got a big media crowd there. Um, that's great too. Cause it's a big mm-hmm. preeminent game. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting when the interview we did on the weekend with McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, you know, when you ask them, you know, we really love to beat who, neither one of them mentioned Vegas. 
<laughs> I was I was listening yep. to it yesterday, and someone said to me, "You notice they didn't mention Vegas." I was like, "Yeah, you know, you're right." Yeah. And I went back and I listened to it, and I don't know, like I I don't but, know, like it was finally we were we were debating Jeff. Did they just forget in the moment, or were, no? Because there's there, no there's no, no way they don't like Vegas. No. <laughs> there's no way they like Vegas, right? So we're like, thinking, you know what? Let's not throw let's not throw any more gasoline on this fire. That is exactly what I think. I think that they thought, okay, that's a loaded question. Uh, Merrick's putting some cheese in the trap to see if we're going to try yeah. to grab it uh, and get pounced upon here. Uh, there's there's no way they were going to say Vegas and throw another log on the fire for for tonight's matchup. I Listen, I don't think that McDavid and Dreisaitl are frivolous about anything, and that includes answers in interviews. I think they knew exactly what they are doing by not saying Vegas, Elliot. I really do. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you're probably—I mean, you're probably right. Those guys aren't dumb, uh, you know. Like, uh, but I—I'm really looking forward to this because, because I'll say this: I, I obviously the Oilers are going to be wired for that game, and Vegas is going to be wired for that game. Um, it's going to no. be like this. This is like the, you get some games in the regular season. You circle. I think you circle Oilers nights anyway. But now you're really circling yeah. this one. Like, there are some good games tonight. Like, Lynn Holmes making his debut for the Canucks. Um, Kuzmenko, yep. uh, uh, Kuzmenko's making his debut for the Flames. Um, there, there's really good games tonight. And But the one that everyone's going to be looking at is this one because it's two yeah. really good teams and there's a big record on the line. And don't look now, but the Oilers are five points shy of second place in the uh, in the Pacific Division, currently held by the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Oilers yeah. have five games in hand as well. So this one is enormous. Okay, so you mentioned Lindholm, you mentioned Kuzmenko. Uh, let me let me start here first with Kuzmenko. We talked about him yesterday on the program, and he'll pin a line with Sharon Govich and Jonathan Huberto. Um, but a lot of the conversation, I would imagine, outside of you know having your first look at at Andre Kuzmenko here in the Calgary Flames uniform are the futures of Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. And Braden Bahal gets claimed on waivers, our right-side defenseman, which we all look at and say, hmm, what does that mean for Chris Tanev? And as you mentioned on the uh, the program yesterday, uh, Noah Hannafin, he's a Boston guy, back home, conversations with the family, what do I want to do? What do your spidey senses say about these two Calgary defensemen? Well, I, I just think that they're gonna, we're going to get some clarity on that soon. Uh one way or the other, uh, that's what I think. Uh, uh, on on Hannafin, uh, is he going to take what's on the table or no? And um, the other thing I think is going to happen is with Tanev. Um, like I, I think this is not easy uh, for him. Um, look, he, like for the Flames, it's been like drip, drip, drip. You know, uh, Zadorov yeah. and now uh, uh, Lindholm. And look, I think everybody here sees the writing on the wall, and you know, like, like I think that the challenge here is if Calgary, like if Calgary gets a first rounder, this is done, okay? But yeah. I don't think that yeah. happened yet, and I, I think one of the biggest challenges for a team like Toronto is, you know, they don't have a second rounder for three years, so mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that that's. Uh, like, you know, I, I think that that's one of the challenges here. Um, I think there's a lot of interest. Like, 
someone said to me, like the teams like New Jersey and the Islanders, like they could potentially be buyers, but how do they feel about rentals? So, like, I think Calgary would like to, I think Calgary's sitting here and saying, we don't want to do this until either we get to, get to the deadline or we get the piece we want. And I, I can imagine it's just not easy for the play for the for the player, and you know it's it's challenging for Toronto, I think, because of their their draft pick situation. And look, I think there's some other teams around there too, um, and it's it's poker. That's what it is. It's poker, and it's not easy yeah. for the player. Okay, let me swing. Let me swing back to the Maple Leafs then, because that's a team uh, that we've known for the longest time uh, have been, you know, identified as one of the teams that are, that is interested in Chris Tanev. And if you're Brad True Living, and you look at the entire sequence that led to the Pierre Engvall game-winning goal last night for the New York Islanders yeah. against Toronto, you say to yourself, okay, there's a protein shake right there for for Brad True Living to go out there and and do his best to bring in someone like Chris Tanev. We talk about teams and not being able to defend. Uh, that was a tough look last night for the Maple Leafs in that Engvall sequence. Also, Sheldon Keefe talking about the uh, the uh, springing from the penalty box goal by Kyle McLean, yes. old Oshawa general. Um, what did you make of the uh, the Maple Leafs effort last night on that play, which, you know, Sheldon Keefe said, you know, was peewee stuff. You shouldn't have a player coming out of the box leading to a breakaway leading to a goal. And then just a complete lack of defense, the defensive breakdown in their own zone leading to the returning Pierre Engvall goal last night for the Islanders. Uh, I was laughing at Ken Reed's tweet this morning about, or was it last night? I just saw it this morning about the the, the Engvall video tribute. Like, put a stop to these video tweets. tribute. <laughs> well, the yes. funny thing about that tribute is, <laughs> like, the Islanders aren't even he, paying attention. It was just, it was just really funny. Like, the whole thing was funny. Um, yeah. On the brain dead play, you know, I, I just have to say this because, like, the word, like, uh, so. Uh, it's just a funny story. It's it's completely unrelated, but I was thinking about it as I was listening to Sheldon Keith's quote. So we were when one year in um, university, we had like a softball team in our in our intramurals, mm-hmm. and we were in the championship right. game, and uh, and uh, so we lost because in the bottom of the last inning of a tie game, the other team had a runner on third. And there was, uh, I think there was one out, but there weren't two outs. And the guy on their team hit like a foul ball. I was playing right field, and the other guy was in left field. And uh, it was to left field, and it was going foul. And our guy just had a total brain cramp. He caught it. And you're you're supposed to let that drop because if it's foul, the runner can't advance. But he caught it, and it was deep enough that the other guy scored with the the winning run. And... I felt terrible for him. I, I, right away when it happened, I was like, ooh, that's, that's not good. And, yeah. like, a bunch of us were like, we, we caught each other before we came off the field. We said, look, we're not going to say anything. We know that he made – he knows he made a bad play. We're just not going to rip him. So we go for, like, wings after the game, and we're sitting there, and one of my buddies, he says, I just can't help myself. And he said to the guy, what the hell were you thinking, like – I, I, like a six-year-old <laughs> would know not to make that play, and so I was, I was watching that clip last night. I was—I don't know—I was thinking of this. Anyway, sorry to waste two minutes of your time. Anyway, um, look, like that's—that's—that's yeah. that's, that's one of the things about about teams, right? Like you have to be to win this league. You have to be so detail-oriented, 
Like, those are the mistakes you... Like, every team's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to have brain cramps. Like, I always wonder if there's any there's any reason that these things happen, like, right out of the All-Star break. Because even though four of their guys were in the All-Star, All-Star game, everybody's details are not yeah. the same, right? So I kind of wondered about mm-hmm. that, if that... But I'll tell you this, the last, I felt really bad for Riley, because if you take a look... All-star break. Look, Shesterkin doesn't play. Quick plays, and, and yep. they win in overtime. Um, like tonight, uh, Bobrovsky's not playing. Stoller is the starting for the Panthers. Yep. So coaches are obviously aware of this. Riley goes out last night. He plays 26 minutes. I thought for the most part, Toronto was better than the Islanders, and Sorokin saved them. But then this brain cramp happens. Uh, and it, it, it's like it's all on Riley. Like, he has 26 minutes. I thought generally they played very well. And, and it wasn't all his fault. Like, I don't think Brody did a great job of giving, like, he could have made another play, but I don't think Riley, uh, Brody really helped him on that play. But, you know, like, look, it's, it's all details, especially in a 2-2 game, late in regulation. There are plays you know yeah. you can't make. And I just thought last night, uh, like a couple of big detailed mistakes cost them the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, tough one uh, for the Maple Leafs. And that was, Ken was on it last night with Ivanka as well, talking about ending the video tributes as well. So there was a tweet and also <laughs> like he just couldn't get it out of his system, I guess, last night on television. Had to uh, take to social media as well. By the way, just as an aside, I thought Matthew Barzal was outstanding yesterday. Uh-huh. I know we talked about him yesterday on the program, but Barzal was so good, Elliot. Just so good. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of I got to start looking at is um, deployment for bars. Like I always check. One thing I always check whenever a team makes a coaching change, what's different? Like what does what happens yeah. different? And one of the things I got to look at is Barzell's deployment because I, I have to tell you, like just it, this is just anecdotally, and I've got to see if there's anything to it, um, like with the numbers. Yeah. But it looks like it's going to be very different under Wah than it was before. And, and I have to say this, like, like I have to say this about Barzell. Like, he's not lacking for confidence, but he seemed, like, just yeah. yesterday at the skate, he seemed even more confident after, you know, after how that skills competition went. Like, unfortunately, it didn't go well for him in the last mm. event, but he was right there. Yeah. Like, he was right behind McDavid. He had a chance to win it all. And I, I think some of the Islanders were kind of kidding him a bit about the fact that, you know, he didn't win, but they were to everyone there I spoke to was like, he deserved that stage because he's that good. And I wonder if that's going to be a springboard for him. You wonder. Uh, he, he was fantastic. And again, last night was just tremendous. Uh, okay. Um, DJ Smith and the yeah. Los Angeles Kings uh, joining Jim Hiller as an assistant there. Um, so not exactly a surprise when you, you know, draw the, uh, draw the lines between, yeah. between Hiller and, and DJ Smith. Um, I know we've talked a lot about the Los Angeles Kings and, and their woes, and we're not going to see them in action tonight. They'll get back at it soon. Um, but what a bizarre, I don't know if there's a question attached to this one, but what a bizarre year it's been for DJ Smith. Like if you said at the beginning of the year, um, you know, Elliot, I can see by sometime in early February, DJ Smith on the bench with the Los Angeles Kings, that would mean A, that he's been dismissed, and B, Todd McClellan would as well, and Jim Hiller would take over as coach and bring in his old stablemate from Toronto along with him. No question here other than what a bizarre year 
it's been for DJ Smith. Yeah, you don't see a lot of head coaches do that. I I, I didn't actually think about no. that yesterday. And then someone mentioned it to me last night. They said, how many times have you seen a head coach join another team as an assistant coach during the season? You know, to be honest, I'm, I'm sure there's examples out there, but I, I haven't seen too many of them. You don't. Uh, um, but, like, the one thing is, like, I, those, those two guys get along really well. They work together in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, Hiller, um, you know, obviously he was looking for another uh, guy on the bench, and it makes it makes a lot of sense when I, when I heard about it and their friendship and relationship. Um, the other thing too is is that you know DJ Smith is now going to be able to coach in meaningful games. You know the the I got I, by the way I wanted to tell you like uh, I had one player on the King say like uh, say say he didn't like how 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 much of a downer we sounded like on on the Kings on our pod. And he's like, we're gonna be, we're gonna, we're gonna work this out. He was like, you guys sound too downer on us. Don't give up on us yet. And uh, and I thought that was really interesting. So he's gonna be able to coach meaningful games, which I think is meaningful for him. The, the other thing that uh, someone actually mentioned to me this morning was they thought that uh, uh, Smith might have ended up being the head coach of Team Canada at the Worlds, but now that probably hmm. goes sideways because they're going to be making a run for the playoffs, right? But we'll see We'll see what happens. But I think that uh, Smith was on the short list, um, if not the top right. selection, potentially someone told me this morning to coach Canada at the Worlds. Well, there's a guy that was there at the Spengler behind the bench uh, who goes by the nickname Gabby, who's still available last yes, time I checked. Yes, absolutely he's a, true. He's a friend of Hockey Canada. Uh, okay, you, know, you mentioned Jonathan Quick a couple of seconds ago, and you're right. Like He plays uh, instead of Igor Shosturkin last night for the Rangers. They beat the Avalanche. And listen, first of all, a gorgeous, a, a Nathan McKinnon goal, uh, a Nathan McKinnon goal scored by Nathan McKinnon in a very Nathan McKinnon-esque way. Like, when you looked at that goal, albeit in a losing cause, did you not say that if you took a snapshot of what a Nathan McKinnon goal looks like or should look like, was that not that goal last night? Grabs a puck, went through everybody. Players bounced off of him, and he snapped it in. That was the most Nathan McKinnon goal we've seen all year. Well, you know, I, I, when you mention Nathan McKinnon snapshot, the first thing I think of is after that goal, maybe him saying, "Hey Bieber, maybe you want my photo now." That's my uh, <laughs> that's my first reaction. Yeah, very that nice. was that was very that nice. was a very that was a very McKinnon goal. Very McKinnon goal. Great. Now, uh, great goal. Great goal. Now, the the other thing that I took away from that game, and like I mentioned to you yesterday, I hope that given how he performed in the All-Star game, that can look at that that can act as a, a launching pad for the return of Igor Shishterkin. But Jonathan Quick last night, yeah. 31 saves. It is, it is his 757th start in the NHL, which ties him for the gentleman whose picture I have over my right shoulder here for 20th in all-time NHL history, and that is Gilles Malosh. Um, And the question that I have coming out of it is, is he the number one goaltender with the Rangers right now? No. He looks different with Quick than they do with Shishterkin. Yeah, 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 I know. And I I have to say... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I know what you're saying. It's still nuts. Um, You know, I I think this... (laughs) Look, a lot of credit to Quick. I, I think a lot of people 
really counted him out and doubted that he was capable of doing what he's doing this year. Like when we heard the Rangers sign quick, like a lot of people were really underwhelmed. Um, and yep. uh, okay, what big deal? And I think Quick has shown that it actually is uh, a very big deal that he's uh, he's shown it is a very big deal about what he's done. And mm-hmm. like you know, there there would be years, Jeff, where if Shesterkin went through some of the things he went through, the Rangers would not be able to tread water. And they've been able to do it because of how well Quick has played this year. But let's not kid ourselves. The, the number one goalie there is still Jonathan Quick. Uh, it's, it's still sorry, Igor Shister. He is still the number one goalie. Oh, is that a oh, Freudian slip there, Elliot? Yeah, you know what? Um, like, it, 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 it came it, out it, a lot it, worse than I intended it to be. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it's um, it, it 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 is interesting though, and I'll I'll circle back to that conversation I had with someone not too long ago who was making the case for the MVP this year being the goalie who's on a league minimum deal that can get you wins. Uh, that's the thing that every team in the NHL craves. Um, a couple of things. Um, tonight. Oh, by the way, before we get there, um, you talked about this about a month ago uh, on the podcast. I think it might have even actually been the, sh- the the first show right after the Winter Classic when you mentioned, "Don't be surprised if it ends up being the Blackhawks." hosting the next Winter Classic. And here we are today, Elliot. Chicago Blackhawks, Wrigley Field yeah. against the St. Louis Blues. No surprise to you. Yeah, when we left when we left Seattle, I was pretty sure the Blackhawks were going to be the team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I, like, the one thing I had no idea was who the opponent was going to be. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I thought they might try to put Pittsburgh in it, um, to be perfectly honest, Jeff. Um, I, you know, the blues part of it was complete news to me, but yeah, like we said, coming out of Seattle, this was going to be Chicago and it was most likely going to be in Chicago. Okay. Uh, A couple of more things before you wrap up. And you You, can absolutely see uh, why. It's Connor Bedard. It's a large market. Pop the number, showcase the star. I get it. It all adds up. I know it may still be distasteful to a lot of people, but nonetheless, that is a that is a straight up business decision by the National Hockey League. Yeah. Uh, tonight, um, one thing we haven't talked about yet: Vancouver and Carolina, uh, and our yep. first chance to have a look at Elias Lindholm uh, in a Vancouver Canucks uniform. Um, that's always interesting. Pyotr Kachetkov gets to start tonight uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes, and now, and you know, going back to last summer, I don't think we'd be saying this, but now we can look at this one and say, how would this look as a Stanley Cup final, Elliot? Well, I always enjoy my trips to Sullivan Steakhouse, so I'm good with uh, I'm good with Carolina. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all whenever you spend a lot of time in Cal- in Carolina, it's always a challenge about how much red meat can you really eat, how much can your body really handle. I know for you the answer is zero, <laughs> but I like to give it a little zero. bit more of a run than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, like this, I think I was thinking of really interesting about this is that Carolina is one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. In ter- like, it hasn't always been that way with their goals against this year when they weren't getting saves, Jeff. But the way yeah. they play, yep. they, they suppress a lot. So I think this is this is a really good challenge for Vancouver to see what this all looks like against a team that tends to really lock down opponents. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that. 
You know, Carolina's goaltending is still obviously the big concern I have. You know, we'll see. I'm happy to hear that mm-hmm. Frederick Anderson is back on the ice, and we'll see what that time timeline is because I think he still gives them the best chance to win. But uh, the, for me tonight, the thing I'm going to be looking at is, hey, the Canucks should be wired. It's Lindholm's first game, but they're facing a lockdown yeah. team. Did you see the uh, the comments from Paul Maurice uh, today in advance of this game uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers? Because if you haven't, uh, let me grab them and read them to you because it's 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 pretty interesting. You know that uh, it, it's pretty interesting the way that that Paul Maurice has his Florida Panthers team kind of more than just humming, but there's a certain mentality that this team has now. So. Here's what the Panthers head coach Paul Maurice had to say about tonight's game. Quote, I think it's great for both teams to play each other. We both have a physical style of hockey, and I'm going to get into this thing five minutes in. We're not going to play an up-and-down casual game. Now, Mm -hmm. the marquee matchup tonight is Edmonton and Vegas. That's the given. There's a lot of interest, obviously, in Vancouver and Carolina. A lot of interest in Calgary, Boston. But yeah. and Winnipeg and Pittsburgh, I think, should be a good one as well. Some returning players. But Philadelphia and Florida, two nasty teams, two skilled teams. Uh, one team has lost five. One team has won four. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going into this one. And here's Paul Maurice saying, this is going to be anything but a casual game. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think they, the one thing that uh, uh, – Florida knows well is that Philly is like Tortorella is going to be ornery, right? Because they've lost five games in a row. And yeah. you know when when you, when you go away as a player, you can kind of tune your mind out on it a little bit. You can go, you can have your break, you can go somewhere warm, and and you can relax. Yeah. You know when you're a coach, I think that's a lot harder to do. So you know when they get back to practice, Tortorella is going to be on them, and he's going to be like, okay. Mm-hmm nice tans we're zero and five like let's go here so that, that's one thing like philly is gonna be yeah philly's philly is gonna be wired to play um i think the thing the thing is with like like but florida's always like that they they play mean like i i really like watching them play yeah. they're they're a, they're a mean team every game with them is hard so to me what marie maurice is doing two things there Number one, he's saying, okay, we've had our break, too. We better be back to our identity when we play tonight. And number two, we better be back to our identity because this other team hasn't won and their coach is going to have them wild up. So I would, I would tend to agree with that. All right, um, eight games on the board this evening. Again, the marquee matchup, the Edmonton is looking to make it 17 in a row, face off against the Vegas Golden Knights, and as Elliot mentions as well, taking this one national. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody can have a peek at this beauty. Uh, okay, you be well. We'll catch many, up soon. Uh, Elliot Friedman from push, 32 Thoughts. How many push-ups yes. today? Today. I'm doing consistent 80 every day with my son. What are you at right now? Because yours is staggered. So El- just so our listeners know, Elliot and I are doing this 2,000 push-up challenge for February. I'm doing a consistent 80 per day. I'm doing it with my 12-year-old son, Brody. And But Elliot's varies. Like, I think you're at 40 and then 59. You're going to peak at, like, there's going to be some days where you're doing 200 Elliot's of these things. Well, Where are you at the today? App. I just follow the app. Like, it's, uh, 
I okay. started sixty. I did. I did sixty today. But it's like it's ridiculous. Like people nice. are coming out there. I'm at the gym before, and people are coming up to me yeah. and they're saying, "This is they they listen to the pod. I'm really glad you're doing this. It sounds awesome." And the whole time I'm thinking, there's a nice. 12 year old kid who's doing 20 more push ups than I am today. <laughs> I, I can't get past this. But but that is coming to an end. Like you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna breeze past 80 here. And don't worry, I'll, I'll rub it in Brody's face, and that's gonna make him do like 120 a day. Don't worry. This is oh, this, this this whole this competition like, started with you and me. It's this this is it started as you and me. It's going to turn into you and Brody, my twelve year old. That's yeah. how it's going to go. You know, well, that's how it's going to go. This isn't like Kramer at the kids' dojo. I'm not going to brag when I'm when I'm doing <laughs> more push-ups than a twelve year old. <laughs> Dominate the dojo, Elliot. Dominate the dojo. All right, you be good. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, bye, man. Bye. <laughs>